All right, Pastor Tim's got a message on his heart. Let's give it up for him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Reading from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, it's uh, Dr. Luke's uh, um, eyewitness account, as the Lord would give it to him, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. And may the Lord bless his word to our hearts and encourage us today that Jesus is alive. The Bible says that the stone was rolled away, and I just love that because that means that every mountain or obstacle or challenge that is too great for you, God is able to roll it away. Jesus is resurrected. You know what that means to me? It means that all things are possible. For if God can make dead things come to life, he can do the impossible in our lives as well. The Bible says that they arose early in the morning, a brand new day, a new beginning. The Bible would say this, behold, new things I declare to you. And as I was praying about this passage of scripture here this morning, I felt like that was a word of the Lord for somebody, possibly in this service today, that God is saying, behold, I declare new things. It's going to spring forth. And maybe you've been believing God for something new in your life, and you just received that as a word from the Lord. Why seek the living among the dead? That's what the angel said to those ladies. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I want you to know that so many times people seek the living among the dead. They go to dead things and try to find life, but I want you to know we are seeking the living among the alive today. This is his house. His presence is here. We are his people. His word is quickened to our hearts. We are not seeking the living among the dead. We are seeking him who lives among us. Can you say amen to that? Peter ran to that tomb, and with that's our theme, come back to the one who loves you. Perhaps that's what you need to do is run to Jesus Christ. We know that, according to the other accounts of the Gospels, that he left the grave clothes behind. That, to me, tells you that God gives you freedom. Freedom. The Bible says in John eight thirty six that the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus offers true freedom. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 18. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God, you've started listening to a new master. 
one who commands sets you free to live openly in his freedom. Well, I thank God that we have a brand new master and that we can live in the freedom that God gives us. And I want you to know that Jesus sets you free from the pain of your past, from the pressures of today, and for the pessimism about tomorrow. You know, there's an interesting story about a man who took his wife and his mother-in-law to the uh, to the nation of Israel for a Holy Land tour. And his mother-in-law was very cranky, very challenging, very difficult. And, you know, she was so cranky they were having a hard time, having a good time on this once-in-a-lifetime trip to the Holy Land. Well, she suddenly passed away. And so uh, what are we going to do with this body? And so they contacted the funeral director there in, in the land of Israel. And he said, well... It'll cost you $20,000 to fly the body back and bury her in the States, or I'll give you a great deal. I'll bury you here in the Holy Land for $150. Well, the man is thinking about it, thinking about what should I do. And finally, he goes to the funeral director. He says, I think I'll fly her back to the States. Fly her back to the States. That's going to cost you $20,000. I gave you this extraordinary deal. You could bury her right here in the Holy Land for $150. He said, yeah, you know, but I've heard the story of a man who died and rose again three days later. It's too risky. I'm not taking that chance. (laughs) Because the tomb is empty and the stone was rolled away and the grave clothes were left behind, I want you to know Jesus can set you and me free. Let's talk about this. Jesus can set us free from the pain of yesterday. They say one of the causes of unhappiness is being stuck in the past. I want you to know that we live our lives and we have great tribulation in our lives. And there could be real pain that happens as we live our lives. The pain of resentment and the pain of regret. Those are two great pains. The pain of resentment is basically what people have done to you. And I know if you live your life long enough, you will experience pain for what others might do to you. You might be saying, I've been hurt by people. But nobody understands the pain that I have. But I want you to know that we have a faithful high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father who's making intercession for us. And the Bible says he's a sympathetic high priest and he understands all the pain that you have experienced in your life. Jesus understands, knows, and sympathizes. He understands slander and lies Because the Pharisees and religious leaders told all kinds of lies about him. He understands rejection. Peter rejected Jesus by denying him those three times. Even his own personal family did not believe on him until after the resurrection. Jesus understands betrayal. Judas betrayed the Lord even with a kiss. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was to stop despised, and we did not esteem him. Despised, rejected, sorrowful, acquainted with grief. These are the words that they describe our Lord Jesus Christ as he was our perfect Savior, sacrificed for us. He went through these things. He was in all points tempted like as we are so that he might comfort us in all of our sorrows and all of our tribulations. Jesus can set us free 
from the pain of resentment, what people have done to you and me. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, verse 5, by his stripes, we are healed. Now, I know that we are a tripart being, body, soul, and spirit. And when the Bible talks about how by his stripes we are healed, obviously it's referring to a physical healing. Jesus can heal us of our sicknesses. It also is talking about a spiritual healing, the sin sickness that Jesus Christ can heal us from through his forgiveness. But we're also a soul. We're also a soul. And I want you to know that by his stripes we are healed. And sometimes we have a soul sickness, soul wounds, Things that have happened to us on the inside that give us pain and that give us grief. Maybe you've been lied about. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe others have disdained you. Maybe others have turned their back on you. But I want you to know Jesus can heal you. He can set you free. What about that pain of regret? What you have done to people. The pain of resentment is what people have done to you, but the pain of regret is what you've done to others or what you've done before the Lord. That's the idea of guilt and shame and failure. Sometimes we carry these things heavy in our hearts because of things that we have done, things that we have said, how we have suffered failure in the sight of the Lord, that we weren't everything that we thought we should be or could have been. And we know that through our actions and attitudes or words, we have hurt people. And I want you to know that there are two characters in the Bible that really had to deal with this. One dealt with it the right way and the other dealt with it the wrong way. Think about Judas and that regret that he must have had when he betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He had no idea that they were going to follow through and actually crucify him. And yet that's exactly what he did. They, they crucified the Lord, and there it is, Judas, dealing with all that regret, all that guilt, all that shame. And what did he do with it? Well, Judas turned from the Lord. He turned away from the Lord. We know the story. He ended up killing himself because of that shame and that guilt just pressed in upon him so much. Peter denied the Lord, and he had all that regret. All that guilt, all that shame that came upon him. Matter of fact, upon his third denial, the scripture tells us, Jesus turned and looked on him. And that very look from his Savior, Jesus Christ, broke his heart. The Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Imagine what he must have felt like. Are those bitter tears that lead to a self-inward focus that might cause you to take your own life? Or were they tears of repentance, of sorrow that brought about real repentance in the sight of the Lord? Well, according to the scriptures, there were bitter tears of repentance. Judas took his guilt and shame and turned inward and ended up ending his life. Peter took his guilt and shame and turned to the Lord, found repentance. And I love it. One of the first things Jesus said was, go tell Peter when he rose from the dead. Go tell Peter. Go tell Peter. The Bible literally says this, that Jesus appeared to so many of his disciples and, and the women and up to 500 people. But the Bible says that, P, that Jesus appeared to Peter personally and individually. And I know that it was to restore him, to offer that forgiveness, to let him know that all is well. 
And I'm here to tell you that Jesus can set you free from the pain of yesterday. Somebody say amen to that. How does he do that? By offering you real forgiveness to where that guilt and shame is gone. The second thing that Jesus can set you free from is the pressures of today. Pressures. I think 2020 and the first part of 2021 was a long extended pressure test. Pressure test. I looked up pressure tests. The purpose of a pressure test is to determine the integrity, reliability, and limits on a certain pipeline to determine what is that stress level. Well, I think that God many times puts his people in a pressure test. You ever have a pressure cooker at home and you put that meat under all that pressure? I want you to know that pressure reveals a lot of things. Pressure can reveal the cracks in someone's foundation. Jesus faced enormous pressure. So much so that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweated great drops of blood. They say this is a medical phenomenon that the pressure and stress can be so great that the capillaries in your sweat glands can burst and out of the, out of your pores comes blood mingled with sweat. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Oh, he was under tremendous pressure. And in that place, he found peace. He relieved his pressure by turning to his father and learning to surrender. Oh, that's one of the great ways that we deal with pressures, this thing called surrender. Not my will, but yours be done. And the scripture says, angels came and strengthened him. What comes out of you when you were squeezed? Squeezed. Pressure many times reveals the cracks in our foundation. If you're not happy with what you see coming out of you, you need more of Jesus. How have you handled 2020 and 2021? Lots of stress in this particular situation and time in which we live. The pressure of fear, the pressures of isolation, the pressures of finances, the pressures of strife and division and anger, cultural pressures, political pressures, marriage and family pressures. They say because families had to quarantine and isolate and spend way more time with each other, that the amount of stress in family relationships and marriage relationships just increased tremendously, and a whole lot of stress took place. Matter of fact, they said they said they 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 had record amount of sales of alcohol during this time as people turned to medicate their stress rather than meditate upon the Lord and relieve their stress. I've learned this about stress and pressure, is that pressure can depress you. Depress you. Stress and pressure can depress you. But God does not want us to live in a state of depression because he lives, we can live. Because he overcame, we can overcome. Because he left it all behind, we can leave it all behind. Because he conquered the pressure that was on him, he can give us prevailing grace to overcome no matter what we are facing. Somebody say amen to that. We need stability when we're undergoing pressures. 
the pressures of today. Listen to what it says in Psalm 62, verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, I want you to know that it's like the ground was shifting. It's like you're in an earthquake and the ground is rolling and shifting underneath you. And you wonder, where is my stability? Well, our stability as Christians is found in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not just a dead Savior. He's a living Savior that can help us in times of great pressure, the pressure that we face today. I love the Amplified Version. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He is your fortress, your shield, your banner. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. The rock of ages. Now, before I got saved, I loved rock and roll. But I've learned this after I saved. I love the rock that does not roll. He's the rock of ages. He is a firm foundation. He offers me stability when all around you it is shaking. This is what it says in Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, the Lord is my stronghold. I tell you what, in that particular psalm, Jesus Christ is everything that we need for every situation and in every circumstance. He is our living Savior. We need to come back to the one who loves us. Amen. Why turn to other things? Why seek the living among the dead? The dead things. People seek them in a bottle. People seek them in a bar. People seek them online. People seek them all kinds of places. But the way to seek the Lord is to find him in his house, in his word, and among God's people. And you find him. You find life. Amen. Jesus can set you free. From the pain of yesterday, from the pressures of today, and he can set you free from the pessimism about tomorrow. Pessimism is a lack of hope or confidence in the future. As a Christian, we should be saying this, the future is as bright as the promises of God. But I've learned this, when you lose your hope in God and your faith in his promises... Everything gets kind of gray and everything starts turning dark and you start getting pessimistic. You start getting despairing or a hopelessness about tomorrow. Wrong perspective causes pessimism. In other words, your perspective, your gaze, your focus, your vision. What are you looking at? If you're looking at problems and if you're looking at people, and you're no longer looking in his promises, I want you to know that you will have a pessimistic outlook about tomorrow. But if you can learn to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, if you can learn to look to his promises and hold fast his promises, I want you to know you can believe in the promises of God and then you will have a testimony. I believe my future is as bright as the promises of God. It's another way of saying the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If we are children of God, God is with us. 
in us. He holds our future. We're in his hands. He's working all things together for good. He's promised us a hope and a future. No matter how dark it might get, we can shine as lights in this dark world. Somebody say amen to that. We can shine as lights in this dark world. I tell you what, when you lose control and you think it's all just spiraling out of control, that can cause a pessimistic outlook, a sense of hopelessness. Uh, We love to be in control. When we're in control of things, it gives us a sense of peace. But I want you to know that's a false peace. And why do I say that? Because, honestly, we don't control much of anything. I know we can control the words we say and the thoughts we think. We can control how we're going to set our heart on God each and every day. I understand those things. But outside of those things, how much of life do we control? We can't even control the weather. We can't even control ultimately our children's decisions. We don't know what the economy is going to to do. We can't control who wins that presidential election. We can't control hardly anything. And so if we only have peace when we have a sense of control in our life, I want you to know that is a false peace. We need to learn to trust the Lord who has all things in his hands and trust that no matter what is happening, I can trust God with my life. We all lack the power to change our circumstances. I came across this very precious letter written to a pastor. It wasn't me, another pastor. If I said his name, you'd know who it is. He had this couple in his church, and they went through a very challenging time in the birth of their child. And this is what they wrote in this letter. Dear Pastor, as you already know, our infant son Jeremy died this morning. I watched my precious wife nurture a lifeless baby, gently looking at each finger, each toe, each feature. He's every bit our child down to the curled pinky fingers, yet his legs are brutally crippled from spina bifida. They say that babies can hear in the womb, and if that's true, then our baby moved into the arms of God, knowing that he was loved by many, and most importantly, that he was loved by God. We told him that God has plans for him, plans for good and not for evil, even if the circumstances right now are confusing to us all. Yet I have to tell you in the midst of our heartache that we were filled with an incredible peace from God. We don't understand why this happened, but we know God understands and that's all we need to know. You could almost say that this crisis pushed us over the brink, but instead of failing forward, we found ourselves in the arms of God. I think that's where he wanted us all along. Before, we were running on our own strength, but now we're wholly dependent upon God. Through this, we've learned to bring our heartaches and our broken dreams to God, and now we're watching and waiting and trusting for Him to redeem our dreams and heal our hearts. And that's not a bad legacy for a crippled little boy who was and is God's gracious gift to us. Interesting story, of course, and that happens. And they turn to the Lord. And they trusted Christ in this. And their faith was strong. And so to God be the glory. 
We don't understand all these things, but I do know this. If it was in their power, if it was in their control, that baby boy would have been born healthy. But sometimes things are simply out of our control. And we can lose our peace. And we can get very despairing about tomorrow because nothing seems to be in our hands and in our control. Did you know in the past two weeks, I personally have received prayer requests from two separate families who were having giving birth to a child, and in the very last days of that pregnancy, there was no heartbeat found in the inside of that womb. And they, they, they called the church to prayer, they called me to prayer, and of course I prayed, we prayed, prayed in faith. And did you know both babies were born happy and healthy and fully alive? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Some things are out of our control. What do you do when something is out of your control? Well, you do two things. You trust God and you surrender. You trust God and you surrender. Whenever something is out of your control, you trust God and then you surrender. You trust him. You believe his promises. You say, no matter what, Lord, I believe in you. I trust you. Your word says this. I'm going to hold fast your promises. I'm going to stay in faith. And then what do you do? You surrender. When things are out of your control, you surrender. You surrender that person to God. You surrender that situation to God. You surrender your children to God. When things are out of your control, you surrender that nation to God, that election to God, this virus to God. When things are out of your control, you simply surrender it to God because it's in your surrender, a heartfelt, faith-filled surrender to Jesus Christ that takes away that worry and then gives you supernatural peace. Some people say, well, what should my prayer list be? I'll give you a way to make a prayer list. Take everything you're worried about and make a list. And then you pray about those things you're worried about. And you pray with trust and you pray with surrender. And I guarantee you, you'll end up with peace. You'll end up with peace. Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And because of that, he has the power to give us real freedom, freedom from the pain of yesterday, freedom from the pressures of today, and freedom from the pessimism about tomorrow. We learn to surrender to God. Peter, on the day of that Resurrection Sunday, ran to Jesus. He turned back to the one who loved him. I can't think of anything better than to stand before you today on this Easter Sunday and let's mimic what Peter did. He ran to that tomb. He ran to where he knew Jesus was the last time he saw him. He ran to that tomb. And I want to encourage you to run. Run with faith. Run with passion. Run with a trust. One with a sense of surrender to Jesus Christ who loves you. Let's bow our heads today in the presence of the Lord. Jesus can set you free from the pain of yesterday, the pressures of today, and the pessimism about tomorrow. Do you this morning have pain in your soul because of things that were, have been done to you or the things that you personally have done? Are you carrying around guilt and shame because of your past actions? 
Do you carry around a sense of rejection and resentment from what others have done to you yesterday in your past? Run to Jesus. Run to him today. Get healed. Be set free. Be forgiven. The pressures of today, is it squeezing you like a pressure test? Just squeezing you, squeezing you, pressing and pressing, and you've gotten depressed. You feel like it's too much, it's too hard. I want you to know that you need stability and you can stand on the rock that does not roll. The rock of ages, Jesus Christ. He will give you strength and he will give you stability in the pressures of today. And what about that hopelessness, that pessimism about tomorrow? My friend, let's trust and let's surrender. Let's trust and let's surrender. Let's trust and let's surrender. Can we do that today? Run to Jesus, run to Jesus. Father, in your name, I pray, Lord, for each person here today, we're so thankful that you're a living Savior, a risen Christ, and that he that the Son sets free is free indeed, and you have the power to set us free this Easter Sunday. Now, Christian, child of God, take what God has dealt with you today and give it to Jesus. How has the Lord spoken to you today? Just give it right now to Jesus. Run to him. Run to him right now in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ, maybe you've wandered away, maybe you've never prayed to give your heart to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you've drifted away, wandered away, and you would say, Pastor Tim, I need to come back to the one who loves me. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. And you need to say, I need to come to the one who loves me. I want to pray with you. I'd love to include you in this prayer to come back to the one who loves you. If you feel like you need this prayer, just raise your hand and I'll lift you up to the Lord this morning. If you feel like you need this prayer, just raise your hand to come back to the one who loves you. Just raise your hand so I can see it and I will include you in this prayer. Yes, over here, there's a hand being raised. Praise the Lord. You need to come back, come back, come back. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you saw that hand. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name right now. Let's all just pray this together, okay? Say, dear Lord, I come to you. I come back to you. For you love me. You have saved me. You are my risen Lord. Change my life. Forgive my sins. From this day forward, I am following you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.